What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Doing that, I was face to face with it. It was holding me by my throat. And it felt like it was sucking something out of me. I probably should have been more scared than I was when I witnessed the exorcism. I turned and looked on my right side. When I did, there's there's a beam on the side of the tree, a large beam. It's looking at me and I'm looking at it. After I hit the lock button and looked back up, I saw red eyes staring back at me. That they're going to show multiple gods all over the earth, be able to speak in people's languages, and at that point, it kind of converge into this one entity, which will be revealed as extraterrestrial. You'll realize that aliens are the gods of old, and at that point, it'll like religion out of the context of humanity. No, it couldn't have been a person, I know that. I know that people can't run through the woods like that. So this thing comes into view, and I see it. It's 50 yards away from me. It's walking. It's walking on two legs. It's huge. This is a big, hairy-looking being. Precursors to your first major experience with this. Is there is there anything leading up to? Yeah, there were a couple of things. We uh, we gather every year, uh, my hunting group, my hunting party, and family members and friends. And throughout the preseason, we had noticed odd things on the property that we hunt on. Um, noticed you know rock formations that didn't make sense stick piles that almost resembled a fence uh, and just odd things I mean it, it, nothing really made sense but it, it we didn't really think much about it at the time 
So for the listeners, um, over the course of this recount, we're going to be talking about two, uh, two specific different areas, correct? Correct. So this is the, this is the first property. Yeah. And and this is not your homestead. This is a area that you hunted, correct? Yeah, this is a state land property. Okay. And this is this is the entire brunt of this story takes place in of all places southwestern Michigan, correct? That's correct. And that's a little too close to home. Yeah, for me it is. <laughs> so all right, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, you're fine. The um so we gathered for our our annual hunting party gathering. And I had told everybody um, that my daughters and I had encountered several different uh, things that they needed to, you know, needed to watch out for. Um, They kind of thought I was joking. They thought it was not serious. They thought I was trying to scare them. And um, they found out very different, uh, a very different story. They they found out uh, that what I was talking about was real. And, uh, in fact, realer than I thought at the time, enough so that it, it terrified most of them. And what was that? Okay, so to go back from there, my daughters and I had been doing, uh, around July that year, uh, had been working on a food plot. And so we were, I'm about a mile and a half, roughly, back in a swamp. Uh, we have to wear waders to get out there. So it's not easy. It's not a place the average person goes. In fact, I've never seen another hunter out there ever. Um, and during that time frame uh, of working on this food plot, my daughter called me over and said, Dad, look at this footprint. And I, uh, I thought she was joking. I thought she was messing with me. And uh, so I told her, I said, look, take your, take your waders off. I want to see your foot. And she's like, Dad, I'm not messing with you. I'm serious. I said, no, I'll take your waders off because, you know, it's so mucky out there. I'm going to see mud and foot was clean. So I said, no, I'll take your sock off. So she did. And again, foot was clean. So I started looking at it more and realized this, this has substantial size. I mean, this is way bigger than my foot. And <clears throat> as we continued on, uh, I started looking further and, and there's a left foot. And then, then six foot away or so, there's a right foot. And then there's another. And, I mean, this is mucky, mucky ground. And so I tried to recreate the stepping pattern, and I couldn't do it. And then even running, I couldn't do it. Because of the length of the stride? Yeah. The length of the stride, but it was also stepping over stuff. I mean, this is, this is um, it's mucky, but there's logs, there's uh, ferns growing out there. So it's, it's not easy to walk through at all. I mean, we take machetes when we go. Really? It's that thick? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you can see over it all. So, at that point, um, I was really uneasy. Um, I'm, I'm very confused. I, I pulled out my phone, um, took my gloves off because I had, you know, gloves on to, to pull the brush. And that, and um, uh, I set it down next to him and took pictures um, just so we had some kind of proof because I knew nobody was going to believe this. And, and what would you guess? I mean, I'm sure you don't have a a ruler or a tape measure out there with you, but what would you guess the, the length and the width of the prints to be? Um, boy, I think the, the width was, I mean, compared to my mechanics glove, um, the width was probably two times the length of the glove. 
and a little more because I kind of, you know, just a lot of it was pushed in because of the mud. So, um, you know, it came back in around it a little bit. Um, and then maybe uh, the width would be maybe one and a half times the glove on width. So pretty substantial size. Yeah, yeah. Bigger than your foot. Oh, yeah, way bigger than my foot. Way bigger than your daughter. <laughs> yeah, oh, by far, yeah, yeah. So um, at that point, I, I was I was pretty nervous. So I put both them on lookout duty, and I finished up what I needed to do in, our, in the spot, um, which wasn't a lot. I mean, I, I, I left a lot undone. Um, and we got out of there. Um, and, and then about a week later, uh, we went, two of us went back again to, to go work on some other stuff because we were kind of working on a whole food plot thing and clearing out a lot of the brush in the area. And um, we came, apro- came upon a deer, um, but it wasn't where you would think a dead deer would be. Um, we, we noticed that, well, first we saw the deer, the blood dripping on the leaves and looked up and the deer was in the tree. Um, and I've heard of, you know, cougars or whatever, you know, getting a hold of the deer, but we don't see those here in Southwest Michigan, Southwest Michigan. Right. Um, and, but this deer was shredded. It was ripped to pieces. Um, and as my daughter, I'll probably tell you later, uh, when we knocked one of the, the back legs down, the femur was snapped in half and you could physically see handprints on either side of the leg in the muscle where it had something had grabbed it, gripped it and broke it in half. So you could literally see the indentations from fingers. Yes. Pressed into the meat uh, to snap the to snap the femur. Yeah. Yeah, we stood there for a while looking at it and just trying to understand what we were looking at, you know. Um and and that was the nearest thing we could figure is those were literally handprints on either side of the leg. So And and how how old do you think the the kill itself was? Um within a day or a day so and a half. Still relatively fresh. Yeah. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of smell. You know, there wasn't there wasn't really any decay. It wasn't a lot of flies. So, what about on the on the ground? Did you notice? Uh, well, there probably wasn't snow on the ground at this time, was there? No, no. This would have been you know later into July ish. So yeah. anything that would have been pulled up would have probably soaked up into the ground. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, but there were some there were some like skin and you know hair and that kind of stuff on the ground. So that that uh, certainly got our attention a little more. You know. Um, and then the next, uh, thing happened a little bit later in the year. Um, we had gone to, gone out to check on the area again, do a little more work. And, um, we, we noticed, we heard something running ahead of us and, um, we, we quickly went up over the hilltop to see what it was. We did not see what it was, but we noticed a very strong odor that was pungent. It was just really bad. And as we got closer, my daughter noticed that there was something coming down from the tree. And it was foamy. Um, and initially, I thought maybe some kind of like sap or something along those lines. And it hadn't rained, you know, in the, in the it hadn't previously rained or anything like that. So as we got up to it, we realized that that was, there was urine coming down the tree. And it was about eye level to me. I'm 5'9". So. Wow. So we, we just kind of looked at it, and at that point, we decided that we weren't going to continue on. We were just going to go back to the truck and head home. So so prior to this, your your knowledge on Bigfoot or Sasquatch, 
What level of education did you have? Not a lot. Um, to be honest with you, I, I probably looked at anybody that talked about it as they're making this up. It's a joke. Um, they're looking for attention. You know, that would be, I mean, I just didn't really think it was a serious thing. I didn't um, put a lot of stock into it, you know. And and at what point, over the course of what you've just told me, at what point, I would imagine probably when you see the footprints in the mud, is that when it kind of... Is that when it kind of kicked in for you that this is this is something that we're dealing with that shouldn't be? Yeah, you know, for me, I didn't want to believe it right away. Um, it took a little more. Uh, I had actually, I had the photographs on my phone, um, and I had stopped into a friend of mine uh, that owns a local store. Um, it's where I get a lot of my um, supplies for hunting and that, and... In, in visiting him, he had asked me how my season looks this year. How, how's the deer look? You know, am I going to have good season? Am I seeing any big bucks and stuff? And I told him, I, I didn't even say much. I just simply said, you know, things are weird this year. And he said, what do you mean? And, and I said, they're just weird. And he leaned across the counter and he looked at me and he said, have you seen Bigfoot? And I thought, I said, you know what? I'm leaving. I'm, I'm out of here. You know, you're making fun of me. And I hadn't told him anything at all. And so I walk out the door of the store and I'm kind of mad. And he runs out, grabs me and says, no, no, come back inside. Let's talk. You don't understand. And I said, no, you're right. I don't understand. And I'm not going to talk to you. And he said, no, come back inside. Well, it took him a bit. My wife talking to him too. And he, um, he got me to go back inside and he said, he said, you know, um, I'm an anthropologist by trade. I went to school to be an anthropologist, but, you know, I run this because it's our family store. And, and he told me that, um, you know, there's a lot of sightings in Berrien County and in Cass County, Michigan. And I said, yeah, you're, I just, that's not true. You know, like I, I just couldn't believe it. And I thought he was making fun of me. And, um, and then he asked me, you know, do you have photographs or anything of any of the stuff that I had told him about, you know, the footprints, the rock from you know the rocks being piled up and and the sticks which I'll have to explain because that's that's really unique yeah um and and I did and I so I showed him all that and I showed him the footprints and of course he tell he asked me he says so did you get plaster Paris castings and I'm like yeah because everybody carries plaster <laughs> Paris in their backpack you know and uh he, you know he's like no really you know you should have gone back and got them but I didn't you know because at the time I, it's not something I'm really worried about right. But, you know, that right there, that conversation with him kind of put it in perspective for me. And, and it made me start to think that maybe there's something to this. Maybe this is real. So that's well, kind the, of what I, the bizarre synchronistic idea that somebody in your in your small bubble of of people yeah. is is actually investigating. Yeah this as as a as a um, maybe not as a job but as as a as a serious researcher yeah he he actually told me that he as a as a hobby he he goes on different um investigations and and when something happens you know somebody has a dog come out missing or they find something an animal you know shredded or something like that he he will sometimes investigate that so yeah any idea on where he would get his information from no, I didn't know. I wonder if that he was associated with, you know, not necessarily the BFRO, but a a organization that would 
take the counts from witnesses. Yeah, I'm not sure. He, we never really got into it that deep. Um, so yeah, we the uh, the stick structures though those are really unique. Um, I would find maybe broken pine trees um, piled up around trees. The problem was that wasn't a pine tree; it might be an oak tree. And the nearest pine tree is 100 yards away or 50 yards away or something. The the sticks that you know it was obvious that they were pulled in, and these were large branches. Um, where we entered the swamp at. We, we actually go back on like this little finger of land that goes out and, and go onto the swamp. And at one point, there was a whole bunch of sticks all piled up, almost like a fence to say, stay away from here. And we, we tore it down um, and went back, and it was built back and bigger. And so that was just... Uh, what was the duration of time from the, the time you had torn it down to the time you had gone back to get it to see it up again? Uh, I think that was about three or four days, so it so was relatively quick. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, some, you know, something or somebody, you know, at the time we thought maybe it was a person trying to say no, we're hunting here, but it, you know, again, some of the events that happened later proved to be totally different. So. Wow. So, any um, any further Congress with the uh, the gentleman at your at your store? No, as, as far as. No, we never got a chance to to talk anymore about it. In your hunting property, you found a shredded deer. Yep. How far would you say some of the parts were thrown up into the tree? Can you make a guess? The leg quarters that we could reach, uh, we were able to get a big stick and and grab. So that was probably within 15 foot, 10, 15 foot. Um, The other ones were a little bit higher that we couldn't reach, like the back. Um, there was a rib part that was actually up around the tree, um, around the base, not the base of the tree, but, you know, the, the trunk of the tree, but just higher up. So that was maybe up around 20, 25 feet. And what are you thinking at this point? I don't know what to think. You know, here we have this shredded deer, um, in pieces and just didn't know what to make of it. You know, the whole, the whole time this was all going on. Like I said, it, it just was, it was something that we were not wanting to believe. You know, it's, these things are happening. We're finding these things. There's got to be a reason for it. There's got to be an explanation, you know, and, and, and then there just wasn't. Well, the, the whole thing of the urine coming down the tree, that is something that when, if anybody that listens to this is, is into the subject matter as much as I am. That is something that you have not hardly ever, if ever, heard related into a story. And I imagine that would be pretty easy to pass up in an area if you're not looking for it. It, it would be easy to pass, but the smell was so intense. So that, that, that pungent odor that you were talking about before came from the urine. Yeah. When you were there right beside it, it was... Strong. Okay. It was very strong. That's what got our attention. Um, you know, we heard it, we heard something running, didn't know what it was, but that odor, we were drawn to that and you couldn't mistake it for anything. Now, when you heard the, the running, I mean, you've been a hunter, you have dogs, you, you've, you've seen deer run past. Are you able to discern whether or not whatever's moving ahead of you is bipedal? This was definitely bipedal. It was 
it was heavy. Whatever it was was very heavy. Um, and then it ended up, it went through the land and then entered the swamp. And at that time, um, it was it was making a lot of commotion. And to explain, so you, to put that swamp in perspective, you have to go out there with a machete. You're not going to, if you don't have a trail to get from point A to point B, you're not going to get through. I mean, obviously the deer do. Um, they're able to maneuver a lot easier than right. you and I. But um, this thing was tearing down trees. You so could, you could hear the oh, could you could hear, hear destruction in the in the in the wake of this. Yes, very much so. Um, and that's what I mean. We that got our attention. That's why we went running over the hill. Like, what is that? You know, that's got to be a massive deer. We wanted to see it, and uh, I don't believe it was a deer. But were you able to recognize like where it went through? Did you see the fresh breaks? And honestly, we never went that far. Um, when we saw the <laughs> when we saw the year on the tree, we we kind of made the decision that we were just going to head back to the truck. And so, both of your daughters were with you at that time. No, that was just one of them. Just one. Of them. Yeah. And what was her uh, what was her response to that? Because um, you you've had your your daughters go out hunting with you. Oh yeah, they're both avid hunters. Um, so what would what would her age have been at that time? Oh, I'm sorry, thirteen, fourteen. And she recognized that something was off. Yes. Yeah. They were both younger. I'm, I'm terrible with ages. <laughs> I have five kids. <laughs> well, at, at some point, I'd like to, to bring your daughters in and get their accounts as well. So, Is that okay? Yep, you're okay. good. All right. So if you would, let's go back to your dad's account of uh, you being out there and finding the the urine stream on the tree um honestly that day when we went over the hill and we heard the running uh that's the whole thing with the swamp that's kind of why my dad likes hunting out there because with it being as swampy as it is everything is connected by that water so when something's moving you can almost feel it in like the muck and everything those vibrations so when it was running it wasn't it was so heavy you could feel the thud while it was running and i'm going back to the urine though when we went over the hill uh i actually looked at my dad i I thought he farted or something because the smell was just so bad you couldn't get past it and as we made our way down and we found that um seeing the height that it was and like you couldn't get within five to six feet of it without just wanting to, you know, puke or cover your face in some way to mask that some in some way, shape, or form. But um, seeing that and looking at my dad and seeing the horror on his face and, like, I've never seen my dad scared, and I could see how uneasy he was, and I wanted to go home. I did not want to be there. Like, we'd found other things, and that did it for me. Was there at any point... Leading up to this, or any of your other experiences, John, um, have you ever have you ever had a an overwhelming sense of dread or a feeling like something was imposing a a feeling of you shouldn't be where you're at? Something that you can really put your 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 uh, put words to. Prior to this, no. Prior to this, I, you know I've. I've backpacked all over the United States. I've hunted all over the place. Not really afraid of anything in the woods. 
um, have never had a feeling that anything was hunting me or, or could hurt me out there. Um, now I feel very different now. And what about your, your take on it? How do you feel? Are you, are you comfortable with going back out in the woods or? Uh, personally, I haven't been out there since I was 14 years old. 14, so not, 15. Not since that. Not since finding the deer and the urine and seeing the the fence lines of sticks. And um, it just, I mean, I've never seen anything like that before. And, you know, growing up, you watch documentaries on things, and it's like, oh, okay, you know. And then you experience something like that firsthand, and, you know, it's it's stuff you don't talk about because thinking about it gives you the chills that like I've described it to people as living in a horror movie scene. Like when we found that deer, you know, you, you hear the dripping and it's a sunny day and it's like, there's no way, like where's this coming from? And you look up and there's a deer in a tree and you find a femur that under so much stress and pressure, the muscles and tissue formed up through the grip in the hands and snapped a bone like that. I mean, your femurs, it takes pounds and pounds of pressure to break. And it snapped it like it was a toothpick. So, no, I've not been out there since I was 14 or 15 years old. And I personally, when if I've ever, if I'm ever asked to go back out there with my dad, you know, we better be walking back to back because he's got my front and I've got his back. I don't want any direction to not be covered. When you heard it going through the woods, mm-hmm. what what could you, can you compare that to the, I mean, what was going on in your mind? What what were you, what were you trying to picture in your mind as far as what was making those, those noises? Uh, in my mind, trying to believe that it might be a deer or, you know, something of some kind of size to make that that feeling in the ground or just that kind of commotion. But I mean, when I, like I've hunted my whole life with my dad and when any animal comes in, it isn't wanting to be hurt. It doesn't walk with a, a stomping or a, you know, Hey, I'm here kind of sense. It's quiet. It's stealthy. You've got to be looking for it to see it before. I mean, it could be standing in front of you. You looked there two seconds ago. It wasn't there. You looked there now, and it is. With this, it wasn't trying to hide itself. You know, it wasn't making itself presentable in the way to be seen, but it wasn't trying to not knock down trees or not run with a light step. For both of you, do you think that it? Do you think that that display was intended to? catch your attention and to scare you intimidate you i think it's intended to scare anything that's in its path you know it's like it feels it's big and it is the predator you know you're in its path and that's really unfortunate for you yeah and without getting ahead of myself something i'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit um i I think it was certainly intended to say i'm here and this is my my domain, and you don't belong here. So I don't. I, not to sound weird, but the, the whole the urine on the tree is just it, it interests me so much because, as I've told you before, I've listened to hundreds of hours of 
testimonies and accounts and you know a lot of them they'll talk about the smell they'll talk about the pungent odor but never never once have I ever heard of actually finding the streamy urine and then being taller than you at 5'9 and I imagine it was two heads higher than you at the time you know I mean that you'd have to have a pretty hefty stream to, to get up a tree that well, that's far. What, that's what I told her. I said, I'd have to be aiming at my face, and I still don't think I could get that high. Be peeing in your mouth before you got to where that was. Yeah. That's amazing. And it was still foamy. It was still foamy. It had just done it. Um, so I don't mean to interrupt you, but while I have the thought in my head, um, from the from the time that you found the, the, the foaming urine on the tree to the time you heard the... Um, the freight train going through the the tree limbs, is that is that all like just following right into itself? Uh, the the one thing right after another, mm-hmm. or yeah, yeah. And that's why we, like I said, we, during um during our hunting party where we all get together before opening day, you know that was just one of the things I talked about with the group. How was that received? <laughs> they laughed. They, they said, oh, we're fine, you know, even my wife, you know, who had, you know, we were coming home, we're telling her all this stuff, um, really just thought it was a big joke, so, which led into opening day, yep. <laughs> a day we'll never forget. Mm-hmm. Now, daughter number one, um, any other, any other experiences? Um, the only other experience I had... Uh, was uh, I was going out to my car one morning before school to get some out of it, and um, I actually had just let my Rottweiler outside, and she was barking. She does it every morning. I didn't really think much of it. Continuing our way outside, and uh, as I made my way towards my car, I heard a rustle in our fence line, um, and we have two ways in our driveway, and it was closer to the, the farther one on a, um, there's like a little forest line there. And I just kind of looked up at it and I noticed this, there were two red eyes and, um, I had my phone on me and I kind of lifted it up and shined it towards it and they got brighter and it just sent a chill down my spine because as I looked at it, it looked as if it was crouching, and then it slowly, the eyes just got taller and taller and taller. And I, I panicked, turned right around, went right inside, and went right to my dad's bedroom, and I said, grab your gun, there's something outside. And um, I did not follow him outside to see what it was. And... Uh, he didn't see it by the time he got out there. He said he didn't see what was there, but um, yeah, I never forgot it. And to this day, I will actually avoid that tree line. I don't like to go to it during the day. I really don't go near it at night. So, and that's that's a your your new your new homestead property. This was not it. No, that this is actually um. So my dad Hunt is about half hour from our home here, and. So, yeah, to see something that might be related to our past experiences on our actually on our home property really terrified me. Well, there's something, and 
since you were out, I'll bring this up while you're still on with us. Um, so you guys were out working on a flute plot. And if I remember right from the phone call we had, uh, you were putting out corn and, and stuff like that. Um, not, well, not corn. We were planting. Oh, okay. Um, so there's things called uh, a habituation, and typically that term is used when a uh, a person or a family is is leaving food or, or or gifts for for these creatures to elicit a response, to get something back, or to um, possibly make themselves more uh, apt being able to see them and first told me about that experience I couldn't help but think that being only a half hour away if they interpreted your food plot as a gift to them it might make sense that they made a half hour trek <laughs> to your property yeah it was we, we've had a few occurrences here at the house which I don't understand at all so, yeah, I mean, it's well, possible, but I don't, I'll be I don't honest. Know. I've, I've never driven <laughs> out into this area. Um, I've been on all sides around it, but never down this area. I was really surprised at how much wooded area you have through here, and a lot of hills, a lot of uh, a lot of valleys. Yeah, there's some river bottom area, and uh, it, <laughs> I hate the term, but it it, it looks squatchy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so back to daughter. You pulled out your phone. I assume you meant that you turned your flashlight on on your phone. I I, I actually was shaking so bad. The only thing I did was lift. Like I turned the screen on. It lit up, and I was like, "Okay, that's enough." I just I didn't want to take my eyes off it long enough to the point where I looked down, and I looked up, and it might possibly be on top of me. And you said that as soon as you raised your phone that the eyes became brighter. They got brighter. It was like, um, you know, almost like when you take a picture of a dog and when that flash hits its eyes, it turns red or it glows and it captures that flash. It got brighter just faintly, but enough so that as it started to stand up, it was well above my head and I, I didn't want to try to possibly take it on. I just wanted to get away. How far do you think that she was away from that? Small 20 or 25 yards. When you saw the eyes, mm. did it, you know, obviously you've you've hunted for a long time with your dad. Um, you know what eye shine looks like. You know what red eye looks like when you take a photograph of somebody. And, and you see an illumination from behind the lens. When you saw those eyes looking at you, did you see that? Did you see illumination with depth? from behind like the back of the eye or or did it just look like glowing red eyes um it just it just looked like it was glowing I don't know if my phone had enough light to it I mean it was like one of those little flip phones but uh it it definitely didn't move and the fact that it just stared at me and as it got taller and its eyes were totally fixed on me. Uh, did you notice any blinks or did you uh, notice any, any swaying I, back and forth as if it was having a hard time standing still? Or? No, no. It was from the moment it was crouched, it was a slow stand. 
and it never moved. The eyes never moved. Not that I can remember, and that could just have been the fact that I was com- scared out of my mind. But and what's what's interesting is I went out looking for it and uh, went with a flashlight, and my neighbor, um, he's up. He's he's more nocturnal than he is you know, up during the daytime, and he told me that something had just run through the fence row between us and out the back of his property. So that that verified to me that whatever she saw was real. Something was there. Something was there. Mm-hmm. He never got a look at it, but he could hear it. So it was pretty scary. This is insane. All right. Let's move on. Where where are we going next? Um, I think opening day. I think that's what you're. Let's let's give a little bit of a time frame. Um, how, how long ago was this? Oh, seven. It's about seven years ago. Yeah. Okay. So, as I told you, um, I had told all my buddies and uh, and my dad um, to be on the lookout. Something wasn't right. Um, we went out that morning. We, we pretty much leave our truck because of the long walk we have in. We leave about 4.30 in the morning. So we're going in. It's very dark. And um, so there was my dad, um, my brother-in-law, and uh, two other friends out there with us that day. And um, so we leave my dad. He, he's older, so he can't walk in as far. Um, so we drop him off. Um, my buddy... My buddy's brother, he goes in a different direction into the property, but he's not very far from us at all. Um, and then uh, my, we dropped off my buddy at his spot, at his tree stand, and then my brother-in-law and I continued on into the swamp where we hunt together. And my dad, I, I had just gotten into my tree stand, just got situated. It's still quite dark. Um, and it takes me about an hour and a half to walk in. So it's it's a bit... Um, and he... he He's calling me, and he's, and I answered the phone. He said, you know, there's some guy walking around out here that's just busting through the thick stuff um, in a full ghillie suit kind of thing, and but it's a big guy, and he's not using a flashlight. And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, it's just a big guy. I said, well, was he on the trail? He says, no, he went right through the thicket. I said, Dad, nothing can go through that thicket. You know, I, I couldn't walk through that thicket. And I, he said, no, this guy walked right through the middle of that thicket. And uh, I said, well, did you see him? He goes, well, when I shot my flashlight at him, he took off running. But it looks like a big guy. And so about that time, my phone, I'm getting a, another call coming in. And it's my other buddy. And that we dropped off second after him. I said, well, let me, let me answer the phone, Dad, because he's calling me. So... I did, and he said, man, there's something big just ran at me from your dad. He said, I think I got a big deer behind me, and uh, we were just kind of chatting about it. I said, well, he said it's a guy, and he goes, well, if it's a guy, he's back in the swamp behind me, because the way he had his tree stand, his, the, tr- the swamp is to his back, and it's it's about shoulder deep out there and um, behind him. As far as the swamp is go- goes, you mean the depth of the swamp? Yeah, behind him there. We've been, unfortunately been through their track and deer before, so it's deep. Um, and he, uh, but I said, he said, if it's a guy, he's got to have, you know, ridiculous waders on. There's no way it's a guy. So, well, that's what dad said. 
So I said, well, let's get ready here and, you know, wait till light and see what happens. And maybe if it's a deer, it'll sneak in behind you and you'll get a chance at it. So we're getting to, starting to break light a little bit, but it's, it's not light enough to where if you're looking at something, you can see it. But if you look away, you might see something in the corner of your eye. So twilight. Yeah. And man, that's when everything blew up for us. We hear a scream that I'll never forget. Um, it actually did it twice. And, um, I mean, I didn't know what it was, but it was loud. I could hear it from where I was and it was piercing. Um, my buddy is calling me at this point. He said that this thing had snuck up right behind him. He didn't even see it in the swamp and started screaming at him. And when he jumped up, he said he about jumped out of the stand. But when he jumped up, he said the thing had turned, gone back into the swamp, made a circle, and he could he could hear it running towards my brother-in-law and I through the swamp. My brother-in-law is calling me. I said, "Shit, I gotta go." He's calling me. So he he is a um, he's a firefighter. So he has a really bright flashlight, and, and and when it's light, we can see one another, and so I could see his flashlight come on, and. He tells me, he said, I don't know what that thing is, but it's taking down trees. It's coming between you and me. It's walking fast, and it's taking down trees. I can see treetops falling. And I'm just like, I don't even know. I don't know what to think. I said, okay, I'm going to get off the phone. Let's see if it walks past me so that we can get a look at it. We, we can identify this thing. So he shut his light off. I could hear it coming. Um, like I said, this is swampy water. Um, and, and, and like my daughter said, um, earlier that this is, it's so mucky and it's like a bog. So when something's walking, you can feel it. You can feel it in your tree that you're sitting in. And so I could feel the vibration. And so this thing comes into view and I see it. It's 50 yards away from me. It's walking. It's walking on two legs. It's huge. This is a big hairy looking being. Um, now it's dark, so I couldn't see hair for sure, but it looked like just like a draping mat coming down. Um, walking, you know, broadside to me, mad as can be. And what, and then, and then I noticed that, um, there was a tree that had a limb that was about eye level to it. This thing took its arm and did like a roundhouse swing at it and hit it with its forearm and broke the tree limb, sheared it right off, which blew my mind. Um, and then continued walking out of sight. Now you said it was mad as hell. It was. It was not happy. What was what was the indication to you that it was it was not happy? What was it doing that made you think that? It just the way it walked. You know, I mean it looked like a kid that had just had a temper tantrum. Big heavy steps. It wasn't trying to hide itself. I mean, it was basically saying, I'm here. Making a point. Yep. Um, heavy steps, splashing water, um, swinging its arms. I mean, it just looked mad. So um, it ended up continuing to walk out of sight. Um, you know, and I've had people ask me, why didn't you shoot it? Well, one, I'm not going to shoot it. You know, it's not a deer. It's not whatever that is season. Um, and then the other thing is, why didn't you take a picture with your camera? I'm sitting. I'm standing there in my stand with my phone in my hand. And to be honest with you, at the time, I didn't think about it. It it, it never even crossed my mind. You know, I think I was in. 
complete shock. As trying to, what, to process it, what you were seeing, let alone thinking about doing something about it. Yeah, I'd never seen anything like that. Never in my life. That I've seen. I never thought I'd have seen anything like that. Um, About 9 o'clock, my dad contacts me and says, I'm leaving. I'm heading home. And, you know, this is a diehard hunter. You know, this is a guy that, that doesn't leave until it's dark. He'll come in in the dark and leave in the dark. And about 9.30, my buddy that had it sneak up behind him, he contacts me and says, I'm terrified. My brother already left, and I'm leaving too. And, and again, these are diehard hunters. My dad has never gone back to get a stand to this day. He, he said, I, I, don't even, I don't even care. It's not worth it. And um, it terrified him. And he, he hunted one more year and said, I just I don't need to be in the woods. So it had that much of an effect on him. Um, my buddy, who had it sneak up behind him, to this day will not walk out in the dark, and he won't stay out till dark. He he waits till you know it's breaking daylight to walk in the woods, and and then uh, comes out before you know, it's too dark to see. Um, his brother has never returned to the area other than to get a stand. So um, so those guys are done, and we have other friends that have said they won't go out there anymore either because of it. I mean, so these are guys that. At one point, we're making fun of us, you know, and then turned around, and they're so scared they won't go back. What about you? My brother-in-law and I, um, we still hunt out there, but not like we did. You know, we were we were always out there during bow season, all the way through gun, all the way through black powder, and then back into bow again. And um, now we hunt we hunt it during gun. Um, I just, you know, I, I'm a good shot with my bow, but I don't think I stand a chance against that. With my bow, so with a gun, I feel like I have, I have a standing chance, maybe. <laughs> but, but yeah, later that morning, um, about ten o'clock or so, I shot a doe that was coming through the area. And after I got her, I got down and walked over to not where the deer was, but where it had walked through. And as I walked over, I looked at the tree limb that it broke down. I could I could probably touch the tree limb with my fingertips if I put my arm up. And again, you're five nine. I'm five nine, and that was about eye level to it, to put it, to put it in some kind of size perspective. So that sent chills down my spine. And um, you ask a question if I hunt out there anymore. You ask a question if I hunt out there anymore. The answer was yes, I do. But I don't go out in the swamp anymore. Um, both of us uh, took our stands down and uh, left them. They're 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 out there on the ground. Uh, but we we with you know our intent was to go back, but we never did. So you said typically to get back to that area is about an hour and a half walk. I assume that when you say you still hunt that area, but you don't hunt the swamp, that you're you're hunting closer to. The car. To your car. <laughs> yeah. Um, at any time, do, does it seem like all of the uh, all the experiences, all of the the weird um, uh, stacking of the rocks and the um, the fences, did that all did that all take place very near the swamp? Yes, it's a border. Did you ever notice anything odd or out of place, like in the area that you're you're currently hunting? You yeah, know, like on the way in. 
we see uh, we don't see the rocks so much, but we see the sticks still to this day. And I've had really? I've had uh, since this has all happened, um, I had I've had at least one other counter out there um, that was pretty scary. Well, tell me about that. Um, so it was about two years later. Um, two, two so two years after the that it all happened. Um, I was out going out alone, which we typically don't do. Um, my brother-in-law kind of have an agreement. To, you know, we both have an agreement together that we, we hunt it together. Um, because of this? Yeah, yeah. And I have one other daughter that has hunted out there with me since. Um, and you'll hear from her in a little bit. But she, uh, we hunt, basically hunt back to back. Um, she's on one side of the tree more or less or just a few trees back. And then I'm, I'm right here. But we keep each other close. Um, but on this other instance, um, I was walking in. Uh, it was dark. Uh, early in the morning and um, I noticed that I was being followed by something and so I, I stopped long enough to, to text my wife and tell her this is where I'm headed this is what's going on if something happens this is where you're hopefully going to find me and she start looking here yeah she responded back with why don't you turn around and come back um the reason I told her I wouldn't was because I had already gone through all the, the really thick stuff where I felt very vulnerable and where I was headed next was more open woods. So I didn't feel as vulnerable. Um, so as I went through, uh, I, as I told her, I'm not going back through that stuff. You know, I'm going to continue on. Um, I'm, I have actually have a, a hilltop that I sit on and I have a valley on either side. So I feel a little bit better. Um, so I continued on there. As I, I got to that spot, um, I noticed that I could hear one of them walking on one side of the valley of me, and the other was walking on the other. I thought there was only one. turned out there was two. Um, and I'm looking into the swamp. We're still close to the swamp. We're not in it. And um, they both continued on into the water, which is about 50 yards or so, maybe a little more out in front of me. Um, as I was sitting there, in my chair because I had everything set up at this point and, and I know we're not supposed to do this but with two beans of some sort walking around me I'm loading my gun um, I was pretty nervous um, so I, they're out in front of me and they started screaming um, kind of back and forth at each other and it was the exact same scream that we had heard two years prior on opening day um, and what really got my attention was the fact that when the first one screamed, animals in the woods ran everywhere. You could hear the commotion in the leaves. You could hear things getting out of that area. They knew whatever that was, was dangerous. But what really got my attention, and to this day makes me wonder, was squirrels left their nest, came down the trees, and ran why does a squirrel leave its nest that just blew my mind i could not wrap my mind around why a squirrel would leave the safety of a high tree nest to run away on the ground so um it screamed a total of, of five times and now I, do you think you said they were screaming back and forth at each other is that the impression that you got that they were communicating between the two of them or were they both trying to affect you being there? 
they they seemed like they were communicating, you know, because it was like one would do something, then the other would would respond. Um, I'm sure they were trying to scare me, and they were doing a good job at it. So, um, were you able to pinpoint a, a an area that you thought that they might be? Yeah, I did, and I had I turned my flashlight on too, but I could not. I mean, I had had my flashlight the whole time they were walking through the valley, and I couldn't find them. I couldn't figure out where they were. Um, so I never saw them. What do you guess? How how close do you think they were? In the valley, they were probably 100 yards out, you know, uh, maybe a little more. Um, but like I said, I couldn't find them with my with my flashlight. Um, and then in the, in the swamp, when they're in front of me, they're about 50, 60 yards out. So they had come up pretty close. Um, I managed to get one of the screams uh, recorded on my phone. You know, after the first one went off, I'm panicking trying to get my phone because it was buried in layers. Um, but I, I got one, uh, so that was something. So, and it was uh, you sent me that email. I did with that. So that was that was the uh, the second thing out there. Now after what was what was interesting too is um, you know I could hear them moving around prior. And I could hear them screaming, and then it went silent, which was terrifying because I didn't know where they went. I didn't know if they were sneaking up. I didn't know if they left. And uh, all the way till daylight, I, I never saw them or heard them again. I don't know where they went. So it was it was pretty terrifying. What was the walkout like? I was very cautious. I, I kept thinking... Um, especially in that area that's pretty dense. Um, I kept thinking that I was going to get rushed, you know, and even to this day. Um, did I you still, feel like you were being paid or, or did, could you hear Were you being paced on the way out as well? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I think I told you the, the as I took a step, you know, I, I knew it was something was behind me. I knew that it was there and I would stop and it would, I would hear one more step and then I would, walk a little further and I would stop and I would hear one more step and that was pretty consistent all the way out um, because I kept the, you know at first I thought something's behind me I keep hearing something you know and then that's when I stopped and I heard the one more and then I kind of tested that and it kept continuing so it definitely makes you think different it definitely does you know to this day like I said we don't we don't hunt out there anywhere near like we did at all and to this day, we still find, you know, trees piled up. That doesn't make sense. Um, and some of these trees that we find are, that are broken are huge. I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're bigger than my, twice as big as my forearm. When you say broke, um, d- describe, like, where are they broke at? I mean, is there still the stump and everything still on the ground? It's just broke off at a certain height or? They'll either be broke off entirely you know maybe down near the base where something it looks like something grabbed it in both sides of it and, and just snapped it or or bent it back and forth um we we have a, f- a few that we find that are bent over where they're broken then bent over with things put on them you know or, or piled up on them on the on the whatever's touching the ground um it, well, explain that what piled up on it what do you mean um like other branches like again it's it's like they're building structures to kind of like territorial markers is what I, what I've always always called it road signs yeah to kind of say this is my domain um you don't belong here so we're in 
you know, in, like I said. Has there ever been anything that was as overt as a, a, a large X or uh, something that you would look at and immediately be like, man, that's that shouldn't be here? There's a couple that look like an X. I think um, my other daughter's kind of at the table, too, um, that we've seen a couple um, that, that aren't far from where where I sit now. Um, so, yeah, there's there, there's definitely some... It's strange. It's strange. You got to go out there sometime, and if you look at it, you'll see it. I don't. I won't have to tell you. Look at this. You'll see it. Yeah. All right. Coming to the table is daughter number two. Let's get back to dad for a minute first. Uh, let's let's go back to the uh, the structures that we were talking about earlier. Okay. So the structures we were talking about during break here. Um, <laughs> They actually look like teepees around the base of the trees. Um, so what they do is they it's like broken branches, and they go all the way around. And some of them are bigger than others. Some of them might be you know three, four f- foot tall. Some of them might be six foot tall. It just it depends what it is. Um, but that's those are the branches where I might have a pine pine branch from a pine tree that's way over there, you know, 50, 100 yards away. Um, so that's kind of more or less what the what the structures are. And how prevalent are those? They're, we find them a lot um, throughout the property. Um, and, and then the area where they kind of built, like I, I described it as a fence, mm-hmm. um, that was, that was a bunch of them built pretty much in a line. And, and it looked like a fence. I mean, it looked like a, a, a fence that somebody would build to say, stay out of my area. And uh, and that's the one that we took down. Um, and as we took them down, um, a few days later, went back. And then there was, they were, they were, those were all built back. And there was like another row of them behind that even yet. So they built them back even bigger. So. So they built two levels? Yeah. Like one and You get front. through the first one and you're, you're faced with another one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and you can walk around them because it's just a tree. Right. What would you What would you expect? Or uh, describe the length. How How far do they? How far does it span? Out from the tree. Yeah. Um, they might be a foot to two to three foot out. It depends on how tall they go. If they're really tall, then they go out further. And these are leaned up against uh, another branch, or are they shoved down into the ground? Um, just leaned up against a tree. So yeah, so they're broken off and then just leaned up against a tree. So yeah, we find them all over that property. Yeah, deer don't do that. No, no, I don't know what does that. Raccoons don't do that. Yeah, I'm not taking the time to do that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's very odd, you know. And now, now you, to that, you've you've told me in previous conversations that you, um, I think you you called it a gate or a door, where you'll you'll put something up. Yeah, when I, um, so the swamp, as I, as I told you, it's really deep. So we, we kind of lay log structures um, down throughout the, as our trail to get out there. Um, we have to, we, we have to wear chest waders to get out. And even with the logs down, we still have to wear chest waders to get out to that area. Um, it's not as deep out where we hunt at, and there's trees out there, but it's still, it's still swampy. Um but yeah, we take we take tree branches and lay them across ourselves just to kind of indicate whether or not there's been somebody else out there. Um, we 
rarely ever have them moved. Um, but around the area where those were at, they were moved. So something had taken our sticks and used them in the, the structures. Pretty crazy. That is such a, it's such a strange phenomenon. Yep. yep. And she was out there with us when we found the footprints. And this is daughter number two. Yes. So tell me about that. Um, I just remember walking out and on our way out, we saw these TP structures and we really didn't think anything of it. My dad was like kind of curious as to why somebody would put up or take the time to put up these TP things. Now this is an area that you said earlier that you'd never seen anybody else hunting, even though it was private land or public land. Yeah, the they don't go out in the swamp. We do see people in the, what we call the mainland area where it's not swampy. Um, we never see anybody out in the swamp, though. Okay, sorry. Well, you're good. Um, and then once we got out into the swamp and we had found the footprints, my dad was kind of curious, you know, if the footprint was linked to the teepee somehow. Um, but now, what were your uh what were your thoughts when all that was going on? Um, at first, I wasn't. I thought it was funny. I thought it was a joke. I'm a kid. And then, when my dad um, got like a concerned look on his face, I was kind of. I was scared. Yeah. In a way, um, but I was really young and I didn't think too much about it. So. She's had another experience as well. Are, yeah. are we to that yet, or is there more to fill in before that? No, state land's pretty much done with what we've experienced there. Um, but yeah, we've had, uh, we've so, had a so few now we're, So now we're moving properties. We're moving to home, your current homestead. Yeah. And uh, that is, what, about a half hour? Yeah. Half hour drive? Yeah, half hour drive from the hunting property. Yeah, yeah. That the hunting property is very swampy. Um, then it's got a mainland area that's higher ground. Um, this is uh, river bottom, um, and then there's farmland, but there's a lot of woodland too. I noticed that on the way in here. I was surprised. So daughter number two. <laughs> um. My dad and I, we were heading, getting ready to go to school, like our daily routine. And we both came out to the truck um, at first, and my dad forgot something inside. So we ran back inside. And I was looking down at my phone and saw movement out of the corner of my eye. So I, I glanced up, and I saw this figure. And it was like a human figure, but it was a big human figure. And it walked from the passenger side of the truck to the drive right in front of the truck to the driver's side of the truck and I heard something to my right so I looked over and it was my dad coming out of the house well I thought my dad had walked in front of the truck and was getting into the driver's side and when I realized that it wasn't him I quickly looked back to my left side to see if it was at the driver's side but I didn't see anything and I just hit the lock button. And after I hit the lock button and looked back up, I saw red eyes staring back at me. And 
My dad had finally gotten to the passenger or to the driver's side of the truck and climbed in after I unlocked the truck. And I was just like, let's go. We're let's just go. Let's pull out of the driveway and let's leave the house. We got we got to go. We just got to go. And my dad looked at me completely confused and was like, why are you in such a hurry to go? And I mean, he thought it was just because we were going to be late for school. And it wasn't until we got to the end of our road that I explained to my dad why it happened. And he spun the truck back around and went back home and was like, why didn't you tell me this while we were getting in the truck? And I'm just like, I was completely terrified. I didn't want to be anywhere near it or see it again. I didn't want any experiences like that again. And um, so when he turned around and went back to the house, I was like, no, 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 no. We need to go to school. We just need to go. We need to not need be near it. But he was, yeah, he, he's the one that kind of, in a way, runs toward something. That, I mean, it's at our home. Right, it sure. It shouldn't be at our home. Yeah. Um, but I know you had asked about why she thought it would be at our house. And in my opinion, I think that we had entered its territory. We had gone to his home or whatever it was, their home. And we had taken down their fence, and it was their way of saying, you have come to my house, and I'm going to show you that I am capable of coming to your house. And if you do anything to my family or our species or whatever, I have access, and I know where you live, and I can come to where you guys are now. Wow. So, yeah, after that, I only been to the swamp once with my dad and it wasn't even the swamp it was the land part of it so you you think that's what they were doing yeah that's scary yeah yeah when she told me when we got onto the road uh to the end of the road what it was i just wanted to get back home quickly and make sure was there anybody at home at the time yeah yeah there were a what time it was in the morning, correct? You're getting ready to go to school. Um, what were the light conditions? Uh, it was still dark. I remember it being in the winter. Um, so it wasn't easy to see. Snow on the ground? Did you, no. did you happen to see any? No snow. No snow. Can you, can you describe in best detail for me what you saw when you looked out the window of that truck? I saw tall and as it was going in front of the truck headlights were on and as it was going in front of the truck headlights it wasn't like the light was shining through it so it wasn't a shadow of any sort it the light stopped at it and as it walked once it walked past the light the light went back through it was just really tall really dark and it was quick it was a couple seconds as it walked just in front of the truck and my direction changed to the house when my dad walked out do you have any recollection when that when it passed in front of the lights the truck do you remember uh color what color hair or any kind of skin tone or anything that you no not really just all dark yeah and again with the 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 self-illuminated red eyes Mm mm-hmm you notice anything remarkable about the eyes did it look like 
what you typically see as far as ice shine. It just was reflecting a different color. No, it was clear as day that they were red. And I remember going and telling Michaela about it, and she was like, that's similar to what I've seen with the red eyes. But the only her difference was he stood up for her. For me, it was just the same height. And he didn't move, he just stared. Can you make a guess as to how tall you think it was? I'm five foot one, and it was well over... Well over the top of me. Um, probably more than six feet. But, yeah, it was pretty tall. Any lasting effects after seeing that? Um, I don't go out to the cars by myself anymore. <laughs> I wait for somebody to come out with me. Um, and I don't like going out in the morning. I don't let my dog out. By herself in the front yard. She goes out with the other dogs. I don't want anything happening to my dogs. I don't want anything happening to me or my family members. Yeah, the whole the whole issue with dogs is a is a strange one because they seem to they seem to be able to sense their presence. They're aggressive towards canine. But the more and more I listen to stories and and read about it, it it seems like that dogs are kind of the bane of their existence, that they're they're capable of knowing they're they're alerting that they're there. And they don't want to, they don't want people to know you're there. They're there. And and that's where their issue lies with dogs. And sometimes more aggressive dogs that are not afraid and don't put their tail between their legs and then come come running back in the house. If they go after them, there are reports of them not faring so well. Mm-hmm. And then not seeing them again. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, if it can tear a deer apart, it, tearing a dog apart would be no no issue. Mm-hmm. And my dog likes to run towards things that she doesn't like, so... Yeah, we definitely... Um, you know, the, 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 the neighbors around the area uh, actually started talking to me about seeing a large monkey uh, around. Um, we have a farmer next door um, who has since passed away, and the, the other one, has his, his wife has moved on, um, sold the farm. Um, they stopped in one day while I was getting the mail and asked me if I'd seen the monkey in the back of our property. Um, that, that was the first time I had heard it from any of the neighbors. The neighbor on the other side of me said that he had seen a large what looked like a monkey or an ape on the back of the property and asked if I had seen it because I know I have game cameras out um, it was during the summer I didn't have any game cameras out at the time um, and then uh, my mom had stopped by one day and she said you know hey what's that in the back of your property running around do you have something back there and I said you know everybody keeps talking about this thing and I haven't seen a thing um it, it, we do we do till that up from time to time, and I had walked back there and started looking and uh, found footprints that I think I had sent you those pictures as well. Those are the ones that you sent me that were on the dried strata yeah. that were a little more difficult to see. Yeah. Yep, I had found, found those footprints um, through the tilled area. Um, so we, um, 
my daughter and I ended up, we put up seven cameras on our house, um, hoping to catch something and to date have never caught anything. So, but it kind of went silent. I mean, nobody's talked about it or seen anything. Since you put the cameras up. Since, yeah, a little bit before then, but yeah. And but, and that's a, that's an interesting, um, an interesting occurrence that you hear about a lot. Um, some of the theories are that, you know, there are animals that see in different spectrums of light. And if they can see infrared, then those, those cameras that are surrounding your house are putting off an IR light. Mm-hmm. And if they can see it, they'll stay away from it. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely believe that too, because we, um, well, we put the seven cameras up, but we also have two driveway alarms as well. Um, and just a couple nights ago, uh, we had our driveway alarms went off at 1130 at night and I grabbed my phone and from my phone, I can see what our cameras are recording. And I looked at the footage. We had three coyotes and the whole time the coyotes were there, they were staring at the camera. So we were seeing the coyotes. Um, so I would, I would absolutely believe that, I mean, they knew those cameras were there, mm-hmm. just just the way they the way they acted. So I would believe that animals have the ability to see or sense. And, and I actually have game cameras from the back of the property where deer have come up and looked at. That's very common. Looked right into my camera where I have an eyeball, basically, in the camera or a face of a deer. So again, you know, I, I think it's very possible that, that animals can see the infrared. Any other happenings around the homestead? I don't think we've had any other ones here. It's it's basically just been those the the, the two the girls um, seeing that. Um, basically, ever since we stopped going into the swamp area, yeah, they stopped showing up. That's really true, you know. And this last season, my brother-in-law and I. Um, we we met uh, first thing in the morning and talked about it very um, in detail. You know, we weren't seeing any deer in the mainland area. Um, it was very slow for us this year. And we, you know, we and we were we were very successful in, in the swamp. I mean, you can go out there and get deer anytime you want. And uh, we discussed whether or not we wanted to go out there. And I told him I didn't. You know, initially want to. Um, he ended up going out, and uh, he said it was just eerie. It was very strange to be back out there. Because of the prior experience, or was he still feeling that there was something odd about that area I, ongoing? I, I think prior experience, just, you know, the the fear that we have sure. now. Not something you'd ever forget. No, never. And, uh, and then I ended up going out there um, once, um, when it got a little bit colder and things iced up a little bit. But, um, yeah, it's very strange. Very strange to be out there or to think about going out there again. So the footprints that you talked about at the, the back of your property, roughly how far is that from, from the back of your home? Maybe we own it's five acres here, and it's pretty narrow, so it's, you know, I don't know, Three, four hundred yards, probably closer to four hundred yards back from the Close house. Enough. Yeah, yeah. 
So, and then, you know, since then, they've, the tree line that uh, my daughter had talked about um, being alongside the house, um, we've, that's kind of been cleared out now. Um, so that's no longer there, uh, which makes us all feel a little bit safer. Honestly, you know, it's kind of nice. It's always kind of nice to have that, that natural fence between, you know, you and your neighbor's sure, house. Yeah. Um, a little bit of privacy. Yeah. And it looks good. You know, they're flowering trees or whatever, but you know, that, that stuff coming down was kind of more welcoming than anything just because we felt like that was a travel route. Gave you a little bit of peace of mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's not so dense anymore. So. Any any lasting effects from from your experiences? I mean, nightmares or is it uh, something that you have a hard time letting go of? Uh, for me, yeah, it took a long time before I stopped having nightmares, and it wasn't just me interacting or having some sort of interaction with it. it was my family members were having interactions with it, and it wasn't a good outcome, so I stopped. I tried to stop sleeping as much as as I I tried to become more nocturnal. I would sleep during the day um, if I could, where I wasn't just getting good sleep at all. But, yeah, I would tell my dad and my mom about it all the time. And my dad told me to start writing it down. Did you do that? Yeah. But it's been a while since I've had a dream like that. We have one tonight since we're, you know, there's there's some segment of um, experiencers and uh, researchers. Um, by and large, they seem to be on polar opposite ends of what's called the woo, and the woo is typically telepathic communication from the beasts or entities with an experiencer, um, sometimes in the form of. Uh, implanted thought or or actual words in English they are sometimes reported to be able to cloak themselves which I think it was you or or your sister used the word predator when maybe it was your other daughter when she said Mm. uh, was talking about the deer hanging in the tree where they can actually bend light around them or there is some some part of their their hair that is able to absorb the light from around it so that they become less obvious to the naked eye. And again, these are all things that are considered woo. Um, Accompanying that are balls or rods of light in the woods, obviously when it's dark. Um, And these things typically light up but do not light things around them. They They don't put off any illumination to what's around them, they are just a ball of light or a rod of. I know my other daughter, and you probably remember this. After, after she saw the eyes, for for a long time, she would draw those eyes on paper constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you remember that, um, and and we felt like, or I felt like that was her way of dealing with, you know, the emotions of. Of seeing those illuminated eyes, and it, and it and it really did. I mean, I I know for a long time I would pick up a, a tablet or a piece of paper or something, and there'd be eyes drawn on it, and I knew exactly who did it. So, so I wonder when you talk about the 
other the dreams of other family members having encounters with these things if i mean it's a it's a stretch but you know could it possibly be them imposing the idea of what they can do right if you don't stay out of their area which is terrifying well i know it's kind of it's kind of interesting and, and and really scary this year but when i i had not told her that i was thinking about going back to the swamp this year you know at all you know even just it, it being a day and uh she came to me the day before i was going to go out and said stay out of your tree stand today i have a bad feeling um it's going to fall down and the only and, and, and if you go the, and don't go to the swamp and I hadn't told anybody that I hadn't I mean I don't even think I told my wife the only one I had a conversation with was my brother-in-law so um, I just thought it was really odd that she would would have even brought that up and I asked her about it and she said that she had had a nightmare the night before so your dreams do they seem fairly lucid oh yeah they pretty much go into a lot of detail. So when that I had the dream, he had gone up in the tree and the wind was blowing and it fell down and he was in it. So yeah, I told my mom about it that morning and she told my dad not about it. And, and I asked my dad later if he had gotten in the tree stand or not. He said no, but... You stayed out. I did. Which is really hard to do because out there, you know, you carry one in. Yeah. <laughs> you want to use it. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely tough. So, but yeah, we've we've all, you know, I think we've all been affected by it. Like I said. Um, how does your wife, how did your wife react to any of these? She, she's kind of funny. She knows that what we've witnessed is real. Um, she's seen our reactions. She's seen our emotions. Um, she's seen the girls crying about it because um, they have, you know, they've come in, like when one came in after seeing the eyes, she was terrified. Um, and so she knows it's real um, and she's supportive of it. You know, we we were talking about during the break um, that... Before we would see a Bigfoot show on, I would probably pass it over. And today, I see something on, and I'm going to watch it. Um, not because I... I want to watch it more so because I want to see if somebody found an answer. Um, you know, there's there's so many questions that I have, uh, having witnessed this and gone through this, that I would love to get answers to the questions we have. Um would love for somebody to find evidence to say yes this is real and I can say okay now I can accept this you know um, you know we were talking about it as a family um, earlier in fact my, my daughter's boyfriend's here right now and you know he, he said I, I've never heard any of this and it, it's because as a family we just don't talk about it um, we, we don't talk about it with our friends we don't talk about it with relatives um, we just avoid the subject because it, it does affect us so much. Um, and, and sometimes people make fun of us for, you know, telling the story or whatever. 
Um, but for the most part, we really just uh, keep it quiet because we don't want to break, open up old wounds, I guess. Well, that being said, I want to really want to thank you all for talking about this with me because I stated before the, the amount of detail that you guys have been able to hold on to and, and, and relay is, is astounding. And the number of incidents and the, the widespread, I mean, from one end of the spectrum to the other, and you kind of capped it off with the, uh, the dreams for me is that's a, that's a, I mean, I don't think that's odd to, to have bad dreams about an, an event that scared you, but to have, to have dreams involving other family members and not be you who experienced it. That to me seems odd. Why would you project that? The idea of that happening to other family members? Well, I'd like to, I'd like to thank both of the daughters for being on the show. Um, we'll have to talk again about maybe getting your brother-in-law yeah. and getting his take on what happened that uh, opening day. I want to thank you. And I promise you that this is not going to wind up being laughed at. And this is going to be uh, a little bit of a voice for you guys being heard by a bunch of people who, who don't think lightly of this subject. Um, the unfortunate thing is I feel that you're being lied to by your government and government agencies because if they were to come out and tell you that, yes, these things exist, and yes, they're living in your in your woods, for God's sakes, what, what did it do to the forestry industry when they found out about the little spotted owl? Mm-hmm. How many thousands of acres of land had to be left pristine in order for that bird to continue to live? If they found out that there was a, and in order to, in order to have a Bigfoot, that Bigfoot has to have been a baby Bigfoot at one point. Now this sounds ridiculous, but in order to, in order to have a, a population that can sustain breeding, it's been estimated that there has to be at least 5,000 across Northern America. That's, that's a, that's a significant number. And if you look into it and you get past just the, the, the pursuit of watching finding Bigfoot or expedition Bigfoot, if you, if you get past those, those shows that are designed for entertainment purposes and you start looking down the rabbit hole at actual accounts, you'll find that they're in every state and they're in almost every country, and they go by different names. I mean, almost out of 500 First Nations tribes throughout Canada and North America, almost every one of those tribes had a name for Sasquatch. In fact, Sasquatch is an Indian name. I don't remember which tribe it was, but, you know, they're, they're hairy man. They're the, the stone giants, which refers to when they uh, would take sap from trees and then put rocks to stick to their fur so that it would give them some basis and, and, and ability to deflect arrows and weapons. Then you get over into Russia and you have the, the Yowies in uh, Australia and the Yetis in Nepal. And they're all, you know, just like we have several different races of human beings, there's different races of, of these beings throughout the world. And if they admit to it, then you have to make the determination are they are they an animal 
are they a species of human that uh, evolved not with us, but alongside of us? Do they have rights? The, the questions are endless. And it's no, no wonder that anybody can get a straight answer or get the truth because of, think about the camping industry. Mm-hmm. Think about the, uh, the sustainable forests, you know, the forestry service, national parks. If you came out and said that these things exist, right? Who's going to want to go in the woods? Who's going to want to go out? Yeah. Unfortunately, it's just good business for the public to not know. And that seems to be the that seems to be the prevailing idea. Yeah. Yeah. When it has all happened to us, I tried to seek answers. You know, I tried to find out, and um, I couldn't find anything. In fact, in fact, I was pushed more into not finding out than finding out, which is why it took us this long to even be willing to talk. So I know you we, we, uh, took some doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've asked me for a while, and and uh, in fact, you didn't even find out because I told you found out from somebody else that yeah. went to you, and um, then when we talked, it been talking for a while i guess yeah. and it, it has been it's, yeah. it's been probably close to three months at least yeah you finally got me tied down and, uh, <laughs> several hours of phone conversation yeah not to mention emails and text messages yeah so generally you but do we, feel threatened by these things to an extent but like my dad was saying when you start looking for answers you feel more threatened by your own species at that point to disclose the whole thing and just kind of live with it. That's a very insightful young lady you have there. <laughs> and it's unfortunate, but I think you're right. Yeah. But we talked about it going in and, you know, my wife was very skeptical with having us come forward and tell our story. And um, she's more worried that about uh, safety, really. And uh, she... Um, but we also talked about it as a group and said, you know, if, if our story can help others find some answers or some closure, some closure and then maybe something that they've witnessed, then we're willing to do it. And, and I guess that in closing, I'll impart to you that um, if you're interested in, in, in seeking some, some closure for yourselves, I can recommend uh, a handful of people that are doing just what I'm doing, only on a much larger scale. Um, if you go on YouTube and look at um, howtohunt.com, there's a gentleman by the name of Steve Isdale. Uh, he's a guide, a professional guide. And I was telling your dad uh, during one of the breaks Basically, he was a hunter who started getting uh, um, inundated with emails from other hunters having experiences with these creatures. And his his hunting job now has been put on hold. And literally every two to three days, he will put out a YouTube video where he is in um, in and around his area of where he lives in, in uh, Canada. Uh, with beautiful scenery in the background and he will sit there, he'll pull out his phone and he will read two to three experience or emails in each, in each episode. And it is 
there's no there's no commentary on the on the email in a derogatory sense. He he's not making fun. He's not putting this stuff out for any other reason than to give people who some will give their names and say you can use it and some people they don't want their names out there. But he'll read every email and and it, it's it's kind of cathartic because it has snowballed into more and more and more and he, he literally can't keep up with the number of emails of people. And I'm I'm talking thousands of emails of people who are having these experiences throughout the world, but primarily in Canada and, and North America. Um, also, there's another guy, um, two other guys. One is called Thinker Thunker, and he has a YouTube channel where he goes and takes, um, breaks down video and photographic evidence um, by putting different filters on it and uh, he does a, a an amazing job of of putting locomotion to to the figures that are in the um, in the videos that he's working with and doing a complete breakdown on whether or not the the actual length of the limbs are congruent with a human or if they surpass what known human um, dimensions are. And that is that is how he puts his stamp of approval on videos or photos of whether he feels that, they, that somebody's caught an actual or if they're trying to hoax. Because, you know, the length of from the shoulder to the elbow or from the knee to the, to the ankle, um, it differs dramatically from people and even the angle at which your your calf and your knee bends with a with a sasquatch it, it bends at the knee at almost a, a 90 degree angle and the and the leg, legs are always bent and according to Dr. Jeff Meldrum who is a locomotion specialist um for Idaho State University, who is probably the the world's foremost um, expert on track castings, he's found that they have a mid-tarsal break, which when you take a step, your foot bends where the toes pivot. The mid-tarsal break actually bends at the middle of the foot And that is congruent with the idea of something that is supporting a, a good deal of weight and something that is traversing over uneven ground. I know you had told me when you looked at my photographs of the feet, mm -hmm. um, I had always thought that the way that the big toe comes back was odd, you know, and, and, and questioned that. And, but you had said, you had ex, you know, explained to me that that's actually what they think. Yeah. You know, um, it's more like because of what you just described. And, and uh, so that, that kind of put it in perspective for me, you know, we, in our conversations prior based on those photographs. Because I, I, I always thought that that was a little bit strange. And there's even some evidence, um, video evidence, that may support the idea that they can actually... Um, 
they actually spend some of their time in the trees. And that quite possibly with that toe being, the big toe being lower, it's it's more in line with what we would recognize as far as a chimpanzee or a orangutan, something in a, of a simian nature, which would allude to possibly being a hybrid between something more human and but still holding on to some of the relic of, of being ape. And the fact that the squirrels, you know, like I said, that, that'll never leave my mind. You know, I'm always thinking about the fact that squirrels leaving the nest, why? You know, so that tells me that they can get up in the tree, you know, and then the, with the, the deer parts up in the tree that we found, yeah. you know, they've got to be able to get up to retrieve that. So, um, my guess is that it, it just gets strewn up there by pure strength. And if it's not just a display to to be a show of, to intimidate you, if it is actually something that they're, they're planning on retrieving, then yeah, they would have to be able to climb the tree. Um, again, I want to thank all of you. Thank you for having me in your home. I appreciate it. Hopefully I didn't open up any wounds that uh, are going to... I'll give you my cell number if you have a bad dream tonight. <laughs> I'll let you call me and wake me up in the middle of the night and say, you dirty bastard. <laughs> but uh, I, I certainly appreciate it, and hopefully this will bring some kind of uh, solace to some people who have had these kind of experiences as well. Sure. Happy and, to help. Uh, like it's I said. Definitely not salt on the wall. Give some quote. Like I said, with being afraid of this species that you are actually considering is out there and you're afraid of your own species at this point to open your mouth so having a chance to tell the stories and feel like you're being listened to I'm sure it's going to be comforting it's not only been comforting to us but it'll help other people out well said alright guys thank you thank so you. much I appreciate it was already firmly rooted. But after looking into the eyes of this family while they relived their experiences, I left their home shook. My expectations? I'd feel some elation having listened to the most compelling eyewitness account I'd ever heard. Instead, I felt a sadness felt their desperation for answers. I felt their fear. I felt their fear. I want to hear your story. I want to hear your experience. So email me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com If you enjoy the show, then leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. Share the show with your friends. Share the show on social media. Make sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. All at Uncomfortable Podcast. And until next week, my friends, stay uncomfortable. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. 
Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 